Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Alex Barrett, and I am the campus pastor of Church in the Valley in Alhambra. It's a campus that we started a little over four years ago, and Pastor Randy is speaking in Alhambra today. And every so often we switch off so we can kind of stay connected uh, to each campus. And so it's a pleasure to, to be with all of you today. And I am wrapping up a series that we launched on Easter uh, called Aftermath. And uh, in your program, you'll see the image uh, on the front there, which we're talking about kind of this, this imagery and this situation of storms that we encounter. And we have different storms that we face in life. Some are unwanted circumstances, pain, trouble, things that we're just caught in like ruts that we feel like we're just experiencing the same thing over and over again. And we have trouble getting out of, uh, that's this idea of aftermath. Just, we get stuck in life and without thinking about things differently and without acting differently, we actually can end up in the same things uh, that we've always ended up in. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. You just feel stuck. I know I have many times. My own aftermath is the kind of the picture of me trying to parallel park. And I am a terrible uh, parallel parker. My intentions are always good, like to actually do it. But my approach is usually off. And to this day, I, I have trouble. And when I see a spot that's like tight and I have to parallel park, it means there's always another spot that's more open than that. And so I always look for the spot that I can just kind of ease into just pulling up without having to pull next to a car. Because what happens to me is I get next to the car and I always forget, when am I supposed to turn the wheel? And then when do I turn the wheel the other way? And what ends up happening, and it's usually worse when there's a full van full of kids and wife and all that, and you're ready to go somewhere. I'm always way off and it just, well, how did that happen? And then I pull forward and I readjust and it seems like I just backed in the same exact way. And then I kind of get frustrated and I pull forward. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to start even earlier. And then it's like, whoa, watch that car, watch that car. And then inevitably, what do I do? I, I don't like this spot. Right. And now it's time to find a different spot. But that, that's how it can be in these aftermaths of life. We get to the point where we're frustrated. We feel the pressure. We want things to go different. But if we look at it and if we act the same way every time, it it's, doesn't change. And so in this series, we've actually been trying to take a look at what does the Bible say about how to change our approach, how to go about things differently. And that happens when we look at wisdom and as wisdom grows into us. And that happens through a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And so I want to kind of recap uh, where we've been at both campuses. We're talking about the same thing. And so each week uh, we've been tracking together. And so I'm going to highlight uh, what we've been talking about since uh, we launched Easter on Easter. And we started talking about this idea of hope restored in the storms of life, in the rubble, maybe of things that have fallen apart. Uh, we need hope and Oftentimes we find ourselves in we need to rebuild. And on Easter, we talked about the importance of Jesus Christ coming to the earth and living life, directing us towards God, dying on the cross for our sin, paying the price for our independence, for trying to do things our own way. And how as we turn to him, he gives us a hope and it's actually a new foundation on which we can rebuild life. Without Jesus, we, we just try to do things on our own. As we turn to Jesus and as we walk with him and surrender our life to him, we actually have the hope to rebuild something. And that's what we talked about the, the first week of this series, how that, that new foundation changes everything for what we can rebuild on. The second week, we talked about the importance of setting the stage for wisdom as we walk with Jesus and as we decide to follow him, 
and he becomes the leader of our life, that's where wisdom begins to flow. But for wisdom to flow in our life, we actually need to have certain attitudes. These are things that kind of allow wisdom not to get clogged up. And we can receive the instruction that God wants to give us. And we talked about two attitudes, humility and fear of the Lord. Realizing that we don't have all the answers. We need God's help. And also this understanding that I am going to use God as my new framework for life. He, he's the one that can guide me. He's the one that, that sets the stage for how my life should be lived. He determines the outcomes. And I have to choose to cooperate with him. And then last week, we kind of built on that further. And that we talked about leaning in. So we have a new foundation as we follow Jesus for all those who've decided to do that. And as you choose humility and fear of the Lord, you're now saying, okay, God, God's built this new framework into my life. And I have to choose to cooperate. And last week we talked about how this is an ongoing process of leaning into the instruction that God wants to give us. And that's, that's being a coachable person. We talked about the two facets of that. Allowing God to coach us through his word primarily and through his spirit walking with him. When you read the scriptures, it it can instruct you, it can correct you, it can encourage you. And then also how he puts people in our life who are wiser than we are, who are further down the road, who can coach us as well. And so through these attitudes, through relationship with Jesus, and through the coaching that God brings, we actually can begin to get out of these, these broken situations and circumstances, and we can actually choose different ways. So today we're going to kind of close out the series talking about the right questions. How do we ask the right questions in the middle of things falling apart? In the middle of the ruts, the frustrations, those troubling circumstances, hardships in relationships, conflicts, financial problems, all the different aftermaths that you maybe have already identified in your own life, how do we ask the right questions to to learn uh, from them? And I want to kind of start by talking about this idea of evaluating our experience. Okay, for wisdom to grow, I know Pastor Randy talked the first week how wisdom is not something that's like learned in a classroom. You know, you, you actually learn that through life. You learn it through experience. As we have experiences, we can grow from them. But what you find in the Bible is for wisdom to, to really grow for the, the long haul, you, you actually need to evaluate your experience. There's an image here on the screen you'll see the difference between knowledge and experience. So the, Right here, knowledge is, is just things that we learn, and they're, they're like, they're dots. They're just different things that we learn in situations. As we were a kid growing up, we learned different things, and these may be the lower rung, like things we learned as a kid, and just things we learned about life, things we learned in school, things about situations, circumstances, they're, they're dots. Over here is experience, and that's what happens when we learn things, and then we have an experience It connects the dots. There's something that we're actually, okay, not only do I know something, but I can see how that worked out in my life. Because I have an experience that now makes it more real. What we're talking about today is even beyond just the dots being connected. That is when you have an experience, how do you actually evaluate those experiences? So the picture here is you've connected the dots, but are those dots connected in the right way? Are those dots connecting a picture that I need to see? These dots being connected, where is it leading me in in my life? Okay, so this is a step beyond just knowledge, things that we just learn. Experience, it helps. But evaluating our experience actually takes us further down wisdom's road. And that's really where we want to be. Because as we're further down wisdom's road, that's where the growth really happens. And that's where we can really learn 
and begin to figure out how Jesus wants us to live our life built on his new foundation. And so that's kind of the premise of what I'm talking about today. This idea of not just experience, but evaluated experience. And I want to talk about that in Proverbs. And we've spent some time in this series in that book because Proverbs is packed full of wisdom. As you read Proverbs, you you can't help but just see all these reminders and instructions and case studies of what wisdom is. And so I want to look at a specific case study in the book of Proverbs to kind of talk about how evaluated experience works. And the idea is this. In the aftermath of our lives, whatever we're facing, it's wise for all of us to consider our way. Our way is our life. In the aftermath, as things are happening that we don't want, it's actually wise to consider what is happening around me. What do I need to do in the middle of stuff that's, that's falling apart? And so I want to talk about this from the book of Proverbs 24. And Solomon is writing this, and Solomon uh, wrote many wise sayings in the book of Proverbs. And it's packed full of lots of observations. In this specific instance, he's going on a walk, and it's this picture of just a normal walk, and he, he notices something. And he lets us in on what he sees and how he, he's evaluating that. And I want to kind of unpack that for us, because as he's evaluating his experience from things that he's seeing, we can do the same in our own lives. So follow along, and we're going to kind of un- unpack this together. You can see it up here on the screen. Proverbs 24, it says, I passed by the field of a sluggard. A sluggard is a, a lazy person. By the vineyard of, sorry, I can't see it anymore. By the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. So he's going by this field, and it's in disarray. And we don't know if there's a guy there and he met him and he just says, okay, I met the guy. He's, he seems like a lazy guy. He's just looking at the person's yard. It's falling apart. It's in disarray. Now, for all you homeowners, this puts a little fear in you, right? Was this the beginning of HOAs, you might be asking? I don't know. But there's a part in which if you own a yard, you're always thinking like, uh-oh, what are people learning about my yard as they go past it? That's what Saul, he's just looking, he's, I, I can make some, some observations. And then he goes further, he says, then I saw and considered it. So he's taking what he sees and he's saying, I, I see it and I'm considering it. And I received instruction. So there's something that I'm, I'm learning from this situation. He's kind of letting us in to what's happening inside his head. And then he makes this conclusion. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. He's saying just think about that. Think about what I've, what I've said. And that's what happens in Proverbs. You, you get statements like that and you're like, wow. Because I just went by a guy's yard and I think, wow, maybe his lawnmower's broken. Maybe he's busy. But Solomon's saying there's a, there actually could be more conclusions. The point here is, not for us to go by people's yards or people's homes or people's lives and like, let me draw conclusions about you, right? That's always usually easier for us. We can look at other people's lives and draw conclusions. We can look at other people's circumstances and draw conclusions. But Solomon's saying, I want to give you instructions so you can do this in your own life. And I want to kind of hone in on this, this phrase. Then I saw and considered it. 
I looked and received instruction. The word consider there is a blend of two Hebrew words. It's heart and to set. So what he's saying is my, my considering it in my heart, like heart in the scriptures isn't just feelings. Heart is, is where you make decisions. It's, it's the direction of what sets your life. So what you feel in your heart, it's not just like a feeling like I liked something. But it's this idea of in my heart, I'm setting a direction for my life. And so he's saying something I've learned and he's setting this desire that I'm seeing and this conclusion I'm making. Not only is, is this sense I have, but I'm kind of evaluating something that's causing me to, to learn something from this situation. So just like a, a diamond ring is set kind of in the, the prongs of, of the ring, the diamond is, he's saying like to observe and to evaluate, you, you need to set you need to conclude, you need to make some observations so you can learn from it and not just go about life without evaluating. So it's this picture, this is a serious matter that he's taking just from kind of the meaning of these words. And then you, you kind of compare that to the observation he makes. It's the field of a sluggard, a lazy person, someone who lacks sense. The connotation here is, is this picture of somebody who is simple. And so he's comparing two approaches to life. And he's using this, this yard and field as this case study. To be simple in the scriptures, it actually means to be open-minded. Now, in our day, in our age, to be open-minded actually seems like you want to be open-minded, a very positive thing. But in this sense, to be open-minded means you don't draw conclusions about anything. You just soak it all in. That you're just an open loop. It's not closed. What Solomon is saying is to be simple means that you're just taking everything that comes at you, but you're never actually thinking about it. And so he's using this yard really as a challenge to us. What's some observations that we can learn from? What are some evaluations that we can make? So we actually are not just taking everything that hits us, but we're filtering our own experiences. We're filtering our circumstances. We're taking what's happening in our life and asking the right questions. So for the rest of our time, I want to talk about how do we ourselves see, okay, consider, and then, then learn. How do we see, how do we consider, and how do we learn? But this, this idea, what Solomon says, is actually not easy. I was thinking about this in my own life, the idea of evaluating what's happening. We live in a time right now where it is so hard to get really away from any sort of thing that comes at us through the cell phones that we always have access to, to radio, to music, to noise. There's always noise, right, in, in our life. What Solomon is saying, you have to get to a point where for you to learn, you have to get away from the noise that flows into you, away from the static, away from all the things, and have time to think. This is crucial in circumstances in your life where things are not going well, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in your finances, you need to take the time to look and to consider and to receive instruction. So I want to kind of walk through uh, what that looks like. So this is the framework is, is how do we ask the right questions like, like Solomon is encouraging us to do? How do we look and receive instruction? So here, here's a guide to asking the right questions. And I'm going to start with the opposite of that. To ask the right questions as we evaluate our own life means that we don't want to ask the wrong questions. 
As I was planning this message, and I was kind of going through this myself, I kind of had a scale in my own life, like right questions, wrong questions. And you know, as I looked at a lot of my circumstances, I was tipping the scale on the wrong questions most of the time. And so as I'm explaining this, this is, this is a battle for all of us. Because when things kind of fall apart in life, when things don't go as we want them to, it's really easy to just go to the default wrong question. Okay? And Ecclesiastes talks about this, which is also part of the wisdom literature of the Bible. And it says this in Ecclesiastes 7.10. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. So in the scripture, we have a new category. What kinds of questions are they? Such questions. And where do such questions fit? Well, you have an example. Why can't these days be like the good old days? Have you ever found yourself saying that? Something happens to you and you're just frustrated and you just think, why can't life be like blank? And it's often like a time in life that seemed like it was just easier and isn't it true it's always kind of the, the time of life that is no longer here? You know, when you're in college and it got really stressful and you were facing, if you went to college, all this pressure on you and you think, why wasn't life like it was in high school, right? And then when you're in high school, you're thinking, man, those good old days of junior high, class ratio was still small enough, felt cared for. And then in junior high, you're like, man, I remember elementary school recess, not a care in the world. Then an elementary, you know, I'll spare you, right? But isn't that always what seems to happen with the phase we're in? And then, you know, we get to our real job and you graduate and you kind of get in your career and you look back and like, man, the good old days, life was so much easier. And then you have bills and more problems. You're always just looking back like, why can't it be like that? Ecclesiastes is saying, like, there's actually multiple reasons for that's the case. But that's a such question. Don't ask those kinds of questions. And so, uh, why can't life be like it used to be? You ever asked yourself that? I know I have. Here's, here's one of my favorites. Why me? Man, is that loaded. Two words, but they mean so much. You ever just, something happens, you know, maybe you just had your car fixed, and then it, like, further breaks down, you just, why me? You ever said that? I've said that. Really, what, what, what kind of answer are you going to get? Right? Why me? Well, how long do you have? There are so many layers to that question. But it's a such question. So these questions focused on nostalgia. Focused on things that can't be answered. They're questions, but they're not helping you get further down out of the aftermath. Another one, why is blank happening to me? You ever ask yourself that? I know I have. Not just why me, but why is this specific thing happening to me? And usually that's out of frustration. It's an emotional reaction. And so what's really helpful on the front end is for us to identify the questions that we ask the most in unwanted circumstances. So what I want to do for you is just real quickly, if you can identify, I've given you kind of a list here, which one is your go-to? If, if you have any such questions in your life, which one is one that, that you ask? Just kind of make a note of that in your mind or on the handout if you're taking notes. 
So as you, as you make a note, there's actually kind of a root that drives a lot of these questions. And these are why it's not helpful. A lot of times, those questions are rooted in, we're, we're complaining. Complaining actually doesn't help. In fact, the Bible tells us not complain, to not grumble. It doesn't help us. Uh, it also is rooted in comparing. Why me? When you're usually saying, why me, you're looking at somebody else. Why me and not them? Or why me and they have it so much easier than me? So comparing, also not, not helpful. Blaming, all these kinds of things kind of drive these such questions. So we, so we have to kind of root, root those out. Now, as you do that, you have to replace these questions with helpful questions. And I want to kind of give you some strategies for doing that. So to kind of get to the point where you can ask the right questions, you have to delete the wrong ones and then choose a wise strategy for seeing our circumstances clearly. A better way to ask questions usually does not start with why. Okay, why takes us down the wrong path. But what, that's a good place to start. Uh, what can I do in the situation I'm facing to move forward? It's different than why me. Because what is, what's the step that I need to take, the responsibility I need to handle, the way I need to move forward? Another starts with how. How can I respond in a way that's going to alleviate the stress of this situation? How can I respond in a way that's going to please Jesus in this situation? Okay, so it starts with we have to actually change the way we ask questions. Not why, but how or what. What do I need to do? So once you do that, you then can kind of get on the right path. And so all of this is really talking about our, our reactions to things. Because wisdom, for it to grow in our life, means that as things happen, we're reading the situation and we're responding in the right way. I don't know about you, but I want to read my situations better and I want to respond better. Because oftentimes, the way I read in the aftermath and the way I respond in the aftermath determines what happens after that. Is this going to be something that I can learn from and and grow from? Or is it something that's going to just cause me to spin kind of further in despair? It's how we read and how we respond is crucial. I want to share a paradigm with you that's been really helpful to me, and it's called the Uda Loop. Willy Wonka did not create that. It's not the Oompa Loompa. It's the Uda Loop. And this is it here, an image of it, but it means to observe, to orient, to decide, and to act. That's what the Uda Loop stands for. Okay? Orienting, you're observing, you're deciding, and you're acting. This is actually in line with what Solomon is saying. Then I, then I looked. That's observing. And I received instruction. That's orienting. And I learned. It's this idea of, and I, I, moved, I moved forward. And that's the deciding and the acting. Uh, this is actually not a biblical concept. Like, you're not going to, don't look in your Bible like, Uda, have I, where is that? There's, it actually doesn't show up in the Bible. But it has a lot of wisdom to it that really parallels with a lot of what we've been talking about in this series. Because to do this, you have to have key attitudes. 
And to do this, you need to have a way to observe and to orient. So I'm going to talk about kind of how these these come together. This was developed by a a colonel in the army, a military strategist called John Boyd. Uh, You can see here, that's him. And he developed this as a way to train fighter pilots. Because when you're in the air and you're in a combat situation, uh, the whole time you're trying to figure out how, how do I orient myself and observe what's happening so I can decide and act. And these are like split second decisions that like life and death is contingent upon it. So he developed this strategy for in the, in the middle of all the stuff that's, that's happening, you need to know how to do that. Now I'm not a fire pilot. Like I don't do that on the side, but I have watched top gun. So we're going to watch a clip from that. Let's watch it. Coming in. I'm coming in. That bogey's still behind you. I'm maneuvering for a shot. Stay with him, Matt. Stay with him. Take the shot. Nail him. Nail him. Ice. I can't get a tone. Shoot, Maverick. I can't get him off my tail. Maverick, we're hit. We're hit again. It's okay. All systems are functioning. We're okay. Ice. On the count of three, break hard right. Three, two, one. Break right. Fire. taste all that's happening at at once and it's damage is done they're weighing the damage they're maneuvering they're talking to each other it's this thing it's all happening at once that that's the ooda loop in in action now that that's a movie so it's not exactly real but you get you get the picture and in life we we actually need to do the same things it's not combat but the stakes are high because it determines will we learn from the things that we face And will we learn how to walk with God in the middle of these things that are happening to us? So I just want to break this down. To observe means that as things are happening to us, we're gathering information. When we emotionally react to something, we're no longer gathering information and trying to learn from it. We're not observing. We're reacting. As soon as we get into reacting, our brain usually shuts down because we can't see clearly. So we're getting into just, why, why me? Why is this happening? But to observe means, okay, what's happening around me? What's going on? What are the things that that are occurring in in real time? What do I need to get get my mind around? And so the right questions to ask to observe are, are this, and this is like a big question. This is an observation that you can ask into your own life. What outcomes and consequences do I experience repeatedly? So do you experience things again and again in your life or again and again in relationships or again and again in your finances? Do you kind of have things that happen repeatedly? That's part of observation. Learning from, are there certain ruts I get caught in? So it's just kind of this initial admittance like, okay, there's something that's going on in my life that I keep facing. I need to ask this question to figure out what, what those things could be. And it's different for all of us. Another part of the observation is I can't see clearly my own life right now. Now, you need to get to a point where that's where the humility, that the attitude is so important, because oftentimes it's our own life. And there's something in us that it's my life. Nobody knows me better than I know me. I'm with myself every day. But if you've ever had somebody that's kind of come alongside you and shown you something about your life or an approach you have, 
Isn't it very eye-opening? You might even find yourself saying like, wow, I've never thought of that. I've never seen it like that. So another question you can ask is, who can I talk to to give me perspective and helpful insight or information I need? Who can look in to what's happening and to my situation to observe for me where maybe I can't observe for myself? Now, isn't there a tendency in us, like in the aftermath when things are falling apart, that we want to withdraw? Most of the time, because of, of pride, you know, pride in my own life, I want to draw near when things are together. My life is good. When things aren't as good, I want to step back. To observe, it means that there's points in which you have to step in, and that's that leaning in again to allow people to observe what's going on in your life. Okay, so that's, that's helpful, just getting the facts, getting information, seeing what's happening. Okay? Then you need to orient. And this is, okay, now I've got an understanding of what's happening in my life. How do I need to see this? Okay, I kind of see what's going on, but how do I orient to know what I'm supposed to do? This is kind of the beginning of, of, of learning how uh, to move forward. That, that's what orientation is. It's like, okay... I'm getting the facts. I'm seeing what's happening. Things are falling apart. I don't like it. I've observed that. Now I need to orient to what am I supposed to do? And this is where it goes back to that relationship with Jesus. To really gain traction in life, to get past the ruts and those troubling circumstances, to get past ourselves, we need a relationship with Jesus. We have to tap into a resource greater than our own experience greater than our own resources, greater than our own knowledge, greater than our own wisdom. In a relationship with Jesus, it it actually taps us in to the wisdom of the Creator who knows how life works. So there's connections that can be made that we can't make outside of a relationship with God. And so a key question in orienting is this, what does God's Word say about what I'm facing? So observing is what's happening What's going on? Orienting is, what does God's word have to say about this? That's where you you, you actually have to spend time reading the scriptures. As you read the scriptures, your orientation and the way you see things begins to change over time. And that's why it's so important to spend that regular time with God. Reading the scriptures, praying back to him this way of, okay, God, I'm, I'm observing what's happening in my life, but I need, I need to see it differently. And the things that may be important to you, you get into the Bible and you realize, well, that's not as important in the Bible. And so you have this kind of tension point in which you're wrestling with what you want versus what, what God says. And the Christian life is over time you learn, God, help me to choose the things that you say, the things that you value over the things that I value. And over time, the things that you begin to value begin to, to kind of show what's in the scriptures and, and, and that there's alignment that happens over time as you walk with God. And so this is all a part of this observation and this orientation. And some questions, another one is, what does a wise person think about a situation? You'll always see this track of wisdom. You're never isolated by yourself. To really grow, you have to get your life open and honest before people. And that is where wisdom can really flow into your life. So what does God's word say about it? And then 
Are there wise people that can see my situation and, and give me some helpful advice and counsel as well? I want to just give you an example from my own life because sometimes this can, at least for me, it can kind of stay in this like helpful information category. But for me, one of the things I, I've noticed is how I respond to people uh, really determines kind of the outcome of what a relationship is going to look like. And in the new year, I started reading through the book of Proverbs just in my own like, life and my own time just with God, trying to just learn more wisdom through reading through the scriptures. And I kept coming on these scriptures again and again on our words to people and how we respond to people. And I, and I was really challenged by it. And then I came to the scripture in Proverbs 15.1. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And what I began to, to kind of notice as, as God was speaking to me, he was saying, you know, that there's something there as, as you relate to, to your kids. And as you get into the scriptures, what, what happens over time is God begins to speak to you. So it's not just like, wow, that's a really helpful ancient proverb that I'm sure somebody could apply to their life. As you walk with God, it's like, that's an ancient proverb that you need to start thinking about. And I'm speaking that to you right now. And I, I have three younger kids, and we're all like learning how to relate to each other rightly. And if you're a parent, and you've been in a home, and you've you got parents, you've got kids, and you, you know that family life is stressful at times. And there's so many things that can kind of end relationships and the little things that can cause conflict. One thing I was noticing is my kids were reacting to something and I saw their reaction and it was like something in me was like, I see your reaction and I raise you my reaction. And it was like we were playing a poker game and they would go in with their emotional reaction. And I thought, well, I see it and I raise you. And, and then I read this proverb. There's something happening. There's a conflict. But the way you respond is going to determine the outcome of that event. You know, God began to speak to me like, you know what? If you're harsh when they're struggling, you're stirring it up. And I began to just think. And it's like this observing, like, do I do that? Do I, do I have harsh answers? And I had to come to the point where I was honest with myself. Yeah, I, I'm harsh at times. Like, I see their reaction and then I react to their reaction. And then you know what they do? They react to my reaction, to their reaction. And if you guys have experienced this, like you know exactly, even that sounded so confusing, you know exactly what I'm saying. Because there's just this like, just butting heads in relationships that can happen. Even through the people that we love. And so I was noticing this, this observation. You know, there's kind of some tense things that are happening. What's my, what's my role in that? You know what, I kind of make it sometimes worse by my reaction. And then you read the scriptures and your orientation, it's, it's giving you a different view. Actually, you don't have to respond to conflict with harshness, with power, with anger. You can respond with a soft answer. And that can dissolve the conflict. So that's the picture that, that happens over time. You get into the word. This begins in each area of life that you may have. God will just, as you read the word, he'll just bring some things up that just challenges you. You have to take the time. Okay, how do I need to observe my own life? What does God's word say about that? How can I orient differently based on that? 
And then the last two parts are really taking the truth of what the scripture says, taking the advice of people that come alongside us who are wiser, and then deciding what we need to do and, and acting. And so the deciding is we make a commitment to act in light of what pleases God. So in, in this situation, I have a choice now. My decision is as conflict is happening in family life, based on what God's shown me in my own observation, I have to choose how to respond. So the decision is, when conflict's erupting, now that's not the time to react emotionally or to react harshly. So I need to make a decision. God, help me in the moment to have a soft answer. A soft answer is just identifying the problem that's going on, coming alongside the person that's in the conflict. Finding out how they're seeing it. Learning what's going on in their world. All these things can be part of the soft answer. And then the act, the action is we do what, what we have decided to do. Based on the observation, based on the orientation, based on what God's word says about my situation, how do I actually act and move forward? Now in your own life, I, I don't know what your own aftermaths are. But we can be in places where financially it feels like we're spinning our wheels and we're in the same place we've always been. You may have conflict in your life and it feels like you, you can't get past it. There may be decisions that you've made and you thought that that decision was going to open up kind of a new chapter and a new world to you. And you feel like you're still in the same place. What I want to encourage you in the middle of that feeling of just being stuck. God wants you to, to look and to consider and to receive instruction, God is the best teacher that we could have. And he teaches us based on our own life and our own circumstances. So I want to encourage you. We've given you like lots of questions you can ask. Different things for you to think through. So I want to encourage you. Begin to think, okay, what are some questions that I need to start asking? And maybe what are some questions that I need to stop asking in the middle of these situations? So I want to wrap up with, with next steps kind of in line with that. I'm going to invite the, the band up. But here's, here's some right questions that, that you can ask in your own aftermath. And the first is, where is God instructing me in, in the aftermath? Is there something, if you were to think about it and slow down and maybe get away from the noise, is there something that God wants to instruct you in, in the aftermath? Is there something that, that you can learn? And the second question is, what am I needing to think through right now? Is there some situations? First question is, am I repeating kind of same things in my life and I just keep seeing them show up? What's something that, that maybe you need to look at related to the kind of maybe that, that rut or that cycle that you can't seem to get out of? So that, that's the first next step. And then the second is, in what you're facing right now, whatever it may be, Maybe you need to take the time to observe and just to gather information and think about it. Like what's happening? What are the things that are causing this to happen? And then the, maybe you need to orient. What do I need to do in light of that? Maybe you need help and you just, I need to know what God's word says about a certain area. And here at Church in the Valley, if you're not sure what the Bible says about a certain area, we want, we want to help you. And so if you need help in a specific way, please reach out to a leader that you know in a group that you're in, or you can talk to a staff member. But we, we want to point you to, to the scriptures so you can begin to, to see 
God's view of things. And then maybe just through this series, there's a part in which, you know, you, you need to take action in a certain aspect of your life to do what God wants you to do. Maybe it's just that step that, that you need to take. So whatever it is, you can mark that on the connection card. If you have prayer requests, you can put that on those, those blank lines. We would love as a staff to, to pray for you. Let me pray. We're going to sing a song back to God and receive our offering. And if I've never met you, I'm going to stay uh, towards the stage after the service. And, and I'd love to meet you uh, after the service is wrapped up. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the fact that you, you are our greatest instructor and we don't just have to have experience after experience and just roll with it. You, you actually want to teach us and you want us to learn. And God, help us just to see maybe the things in our life that we're not learning because of choices that we were making or reactions that we're having or attitudes that we're choosing. God, help us to just hear from you and, and to get into your word and to take the time to do that so we can receive instruction. So I, I pray, God, in the middle of the things that we're facing, when the frustration and the reaction comes, help us to, to slow down and to really think through what you want us to do and how you want us to respond. And, and we just need your help to do that. In the name of Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen.